Hello, everyone. I'm Gary Urbanowitz, the Executive Director of the New York City Fire Museum, the official museum of the FDNY. I'm also your host for this Throwback FDNY podcast. Like our museum, this podcast's mission is to help present the extraordinary history and unique heritage of the fire department in the five boroughs. In this episode of Throwback FDNY, the first chief of department is sworn into office in 1865. Operations at the massive Graceline Pier Fire of 1947, and the 1965 rollout of the extraordinary, extra-large, and extra-expensive Super Pumper system. Elijah Kingsland was born in Manhattan in the early 19th century. He joined the city's volunteer fire department and served with Johnson Hose Company No. 32. He rose to the ranks at the company level, becoming foreman of Engine Company 26, the equivalent of today's captain, and was promoted to assistant engineer, roughly equivalent to what is now a deputy chief. He was a well-respected and a tough fire officer known for his tenacity and courage. So when the volunteer fire department was abolished by New York State legislation in 1865, it was no surprise that the governor's board of fire commissioners elected Kingsland to be the first chief of department of the newly organized Metropolitan Fire Department. Remember, at this time, the five boroughs had yet to be annexed into the greater city of New York we call home today. The Metropolitan Fire Department was the first professional fire service for the cities of New York, which was only present-day Manhattan, and the independent city of Brooklyn. It replaced a slew of volunteer fire companies, including Chief Kingsland's Firehouse, where he started his career. It wasn't until four years later that Brooklyn adopted a paid system. With his election, Chief Kingsland was now the highest-ranking uniform officer in command of the paid fire service. Chief Kingsland's success with the Metropolitan Fire Department helped provide the rapidly growing area with a reliable and trusted fire service that would later revert to its original name of FDNY. The chief is formally recognized as the FDNY's first chief of department, and his portrait is one of 36 to grace the walls of the FDNY's headquarters in Brooklyn. After his retirement, Chief Kingsland remained active in the fire service for the remainder of his life and was one of the founders of Liberty Hook and Ladder Company 1 in the town of New Utrecht in what would become the neighborhood of Bath Beach in the borough of Brooklyn. Historians, including myself, note that it was Chief Kingsland's vision and leadership that laid the foundation for the FDNY's current force of firefighters, EMTs, and paramedics that keep us all safe every single day. And now a message from the president of the New York City Fire Museum's Board of Trustees. Hello, everyone. I'm Ted Grant, the president of the New York City Fire Museum Board of Trustees. On behalf of the board, we thank you for listening to the Throwback FTNY podcast. Since 1870, our museum has sought to preserve, educate, and celebrate the heroic history of the men and women of the fire department in New York. In 1987, we found a permanent home in Lower Manhattan in the renovated 1904 Beaux Arts Firehouse that had served as the quarters of Engine 30. Inside, our impressive collection illustrates the evolution of the fire department from its origins through today. Our Fire Safety Learning Center is a hub for school children to learn about the importance of fire prevention. Our museum is also home to the first permanent memorial to the New York City Fire Department members lost on September 11, 2001. We hope that everyone who has come to visit the FDNY 343 Memorial since 2002 has been provided a place to reflect on the fire department's darkest day while coming face to face with our fallen heroes. 
Please stay up to date with us and learn more about our exhibitions, online catalog, and browse our museum shop online at nycfiremuseum.org. Again, thank you for listening, and now back to the episode. Located at West 15th Street in Manhattan, Pier 57 was leased to the Grace Line, a shipping company founded by William R. Grace, the billionaire who served two terms as mayor of New York City. It was a massive wood pier measuring 832 feet long and 129 feet wide. On September 29, 1947, what started off as just a faint odor of smoke from under Pier 57 turned into one of the largest pier fires that the FDNY has had to battle in its history. Fortunately, on the day of the fire, there was only a modest amount of materials in the huge warehouse as two ships were loaded and departed the day before. Had that not been the case, the fire could have been much worse than it actually was. On that morning, after a guard smelled the smoke and saw some wisps coming from under the pier, he notified his supervisor who sent in an alarm from box 572. Engine Company 3 was the first unit to arrive and stretched a hose line down the length of the pier, but as of yet, there was no visible fire to fight. Given the known heavy presence of wood in the construction, Battalion Chief John Broderick ordered an all-hands, and the fireboats McClellan, Firefighter, and Harvey, Rescue 1, and the department's two air compressor units were brought in. Units continued their attempts to locate a fire, but no flames could be seen. Even after a raft and small boat with firefighters moved under the pier to inspect further, the fire could not immediately be found. Finally, when the floor of the pier was breached, heavy smoke suddenly poured out, and moments later, flames burst out from the river end of the pier, extending 150 feet beyond. The wood pilings of Pier 57 were ablaze. It was feared that the firefighters who went underneath the pier on the raft and small boat were lost, but they were found to be safe. Now, the battle was on. The fire was spreading and consuming the timber pilings that held up the pier, its concrete floor, and the building above. Although the fireboats did what they could, their streams could not reach the seat of the fire. The only way to hit this raging inferno was to drill through the decking and place special nozzle appliances called distributors under the structure. Normally, as the need for more apparatus and firefighters grow, the responses tiered progressively from second to third to fourth alarm sequentially. But with this fire, the third alarm was skipped going right to the fourth and then the fifth. Chief of Staff and Operations, Frank Murphy, now in charge of the fire, also transmitted a third alarm in Brooklyn with the units assigned to respond into Manhattan. With ample reinforcements in place, the fast-moving and destructive fire was declared under control in just three hours. Pier 57 was completely lost, and one civilian was sadly killed. To give you an idea of how difficult and dangerous this pier fire was, of the approximately 200 firefighters that engaged this blaze, 150 sustained injuries. Two years after the fire, the commissioner of the New York City Department of Marine and Aviation, Edward F. Cavanaugh, announced that the pier would be rebuilt. And by the way, if that name sounds familiar, it's because Commissioner Cavanaugh later became fire commissioner. And for architecture buffs, the rebuilt Pier 57 is an engineering marvel that sits on three very large concrete boxes that actually float. This feat of engineering earned Pier 57 numerous awards and got it listed on the New York State 
and National Registers of Historic Places. It still stands today and was recently renovated. The New York City Fire Museum store can be found online at fdnymuseumshop.org. Exclusive merchandise includes our classic, superior quality NYC Fire Museum t-shirt featuring our treasured Brooklyn Engine Company 8 steam pumper and other museum artifacts. The back includes a firefighter scramble that was the museum's original logo. This one-of-a-kind shirt comes in adult sizes from small to double XL. Proceeds help support our preservation and educational programs. To browse additional apparel and products that celebrate the history of the fire department in New York City, go to fdnymuseumshop.org. That's fdnymuseumshop.org. Now more than ever, the New York City Fire Museum needs your support to pursue our mission to preserve, educate, and celebrate. Now back to the episode. The FDNY Super Pumper System made its debut in 1965. The name itself conveys the fact that it was something beyond ordinary, and it was. The Super Pumper System was the brainchild of William Francis Gibbs, an internationally renowned naval architect who had previously designed the FDNY fireboat, Firefighter. His idea for the Super Pumper System, which was tantamount to constructing a fireboat on land, took on greater urgency after a massive brush fire struck on Staten Island. In fact, the Staten Island blaze grew to proportions greater than any other fire to hit the city in decades. Architect Gibbs thought that his conceptual apparatus for the super pumper system could have contained it. With that, he took the opportunity to pitch his idea to the FDNY. Commissioner Edward Thompson was on board, and he signed a contract to purchase the system for a price of $875,000, equivalent to about $7.4 million in 2020. It was quite an expensive investment. The apparatus was referred to as a system because there were three components to it. First was the super pumper itself, capable of pumping up to an unheard of 10,000 gallons per minute. Next was the tender, which carried 2,000 feet of four and one half inch hose and had a Stang Intelligiant monitor with an eight inch bore, similar to those on FDNY's powerful fireboats. The final component was the associated satellite units that would carry 1,000 feet of four and a half inch hose and would also be equipped with an Intelligiant monitor. You don't just order an apparatus like this and roll it into service. It required identifying deployment and staffing for the apparatus plus a responding officer in charge, finding quarters for the unusually sized rigs, and then coming up with a plan for how and when they would be used. In accordance with Department Order 215 on November 9, 1965, the super pumper system officially went into service the next day. Finding homes for these behemoths wasn't easy, and they moved around several times until a firehouse could be constructed that had features designed into it specifically to accommodate them. Eventually, one was built on Tillery Street in Brooklyn. If you pass by there today, you'll still see the names of Super Pumper and Super Tender emblazoned upon two of the apparatus bays. The smaller satellite units were strategically located in Manhattan, Brooklyn, and the Bronx. For seven years, Satellite One was housed in the firehouse that is now the home of the New York City Fire Museum on Spring Street in Manhattan. A sophisticated protocol for response of the system to fires was devised. Clearly, the incredible capacity of the system was intended for use at fires where the supply of water called for its superior pumping ability. Initially, 
This meant that whenever an all-hands fire was broadcast over the citywide radio frequency, the members assigned to the components of the super pumper system were to get down to the apparatus floor of the firehouse and make themselves and their equipment ready to respond. Once the fire advanced to a second or third alarm, depending on the location, the wheels would roll. The super pumper system saw service at many multiple alarm fires, responding to 2,285 and going into operation at more than 900 of them. However, the value of the super pumper system was debatable. Given the high cost of maintenance and the city's dire financial straits at the time, in the end, the department decided to scuttle it. The apparatus was sold at auction to private individuals. The super pumper itself is now on display at the Antique Toy and Fire Truck Museum in Bay City, Michigan, and the tender is privately owned by someone in California. The New York City Fire Museum has several unique artifacts from the super pumper system, but we would like more. We are very interested to hear from anyone that has tangible artifacts associated with this historic, innovative piece of FDNY and fire service history. Contact us by email at curator at nycfiremuseum.org. Again, that's curator at nycfiremuseum.org. And now it's time for our throwback FDNY trivia segment. In each new episode of our podcast, we like to test your knowledge of the department by asking a question about a fact from our previous show. Here's this month's. Of all the firehouses built to support the 1939 World's Fair, there is only one that still exists today. Which firehouse is it? Here's a hint. For those who know Queen's geography, it's in close proximity to what was once an entrance to Flushing Meadow Park. The answer can be found in our previous episode and this month's installment of our companion Throwback FDNY newsletter. You can sign up for our newsletter at nycfiremuseum.org slash throwbackfdny. Thank you for listening. The Throwback FDNY podcast is brought to you with the help of the FDNY and the FDNY Foundation, the official nonprofit organization of the department. Thank you to the New York City Fire Museum Board of Trustees, our staff, volunteers, and of course, our museum members. I'm Gary Urbanowitz. I'll leave you with this. We can all do our part to be a partner with the fire department by promoting fire safety. It starts in each of our homes by ensuring we all have a working smoke and carbon monoxide alarm. Thank you and be safe.